If you haven't already signed up to our favourite independent bottlers online store, The Collective, then here's another reason to get on board with Heroes and Heretics. Rum. That's right, rum. But not just any old rum, but a single cask rum range called Darkwood. Can't afford a trip to the Caribbean? No problem. Savour mysterious nights strolling along the beach and sunny days on a lounger shaded by lofty palm trees. Hear the faint sound of steel drums as you tuck into sun-ripened melon and peaches drizzled in honey and sprinkled with desiccated coconut. For just £70, you could bring a bottle of the Caribbean Basin to your home. But remember this. Anyone signing up to the Heroes and Heretics Collective will receive 15% off and free delivery. That's a saving of nearly £20, not to mention many other discounts, perks and prizes. There are only 330 bottles of this Belizean beauty. So join today using our code LONDONCALLING15 at www.hahcws.com and you can see off the chill of winter with a tipple from warmer climes. That's www h-a-h-c-w-s.com and remember to use the code London Calling 15 This is London Calling London Calling uh, And then it goes on, says GB News will ensure that the presenter and the US producers attend uh, regular Ofcom training by, provided by the company's compliance officer so the uh, Ofcom's bitch as I call the compliance officer uh, will be making the weedy, wimpy uh, defence to Ofcom, and then uh, I'm the one who has to pay the forty thousand, forty thousand pound fine, or whatever it is. Welcome to London Calling with me, James Dellingpole, and my very good friend, Mr. Toby Young. Tobes, how's it been? James, good, good. I heard about your triumph at the. Emmanuel Centre last week when you had to step in at the last moment to take over from Mark Dolan at the um, Conservative Woman's uh, event um, and there were there were 900 people in the audience and you emceed the entire thing including two panels um, so tell us a bit about that James how was that? Well I do have this weird um, double life Tobes where um, on in one world I am I'm kind of Jimmy Page and Robert Plant rolled into one, and I and David Bowie rolled into one, and I'm treated as a kind of rock god. Uh, and then there's then there's a normal world where I'm a complete bloody nobody, or or at least somebody who used to be somebody but who who lost the plot long ago. Anyway, this this was when I was in my former incarnation. I mean, the, or the the first of those two incarnations. Um, it was a it was a sort of it was really a, partly a celebration of TCW, as, it, as it's now called, formerly the Conservative Woman, um, which, for my money, is the the soundest sort of right wing stroke awake publication out there. Um, and partly it was to launch a documentary about vaccine injury, made by a former ITN and BBC producer called Mark Sharman. So it was a, it was it, it was it was the kind of documentary that ought to be on on the BBC but never will be because it goes against the narrative. And there were lots of moving stories um from people 
who'd whose lives had been changed um often irrevocably by the by having had the one or other of the of the jabs like poor old alex mitchell who you know had his had one of his legs chopped off because he got he got blood clots which almost killed him after having i think the Astra, astrazeneca but there were there, there were some very moving stories and it was a well-made documentary and then afterwards there was there was a weird mix of of panels there was a medical panel just just so you before, had, you, before you move how can people see the documentary they want to see it james um we'll put details afterwards i guess because I, I don't know immediately i can't I, I i i i saw it for the first time at the premiere and i had looked looked for it before it's quite hard to find these things on the internet but i'm sure that um um yeah we'll, we'll find the details anyway um and there were two panels there was a medical panel of people like um Dr. Claire Craig, who's a pathologist, who's who's skeptical of vaccines, and yeah. and then there was there was a sort of mixed mixed panel where you had Sir Christopher Chope and Andrew Bridgen from the world of politics, um, from the world of religion you had Calvin Robinson, from the world of cartooning you had Bob Moran, um, from the world of pop music you had Right Said Fred, um, it, so it was it was it was quite a yeah. So I, I did. I did see one one tweet on Twitter, which said um, it was a picture of you hosting um, what I believe is known as a manal in the trade. So an all male panel. A manal. You haven't heard this expression. A manal. No, I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't even notice. I, I, <laughs> they, they, I, I, they, I don't divide it into into. <laughs> but it said it, it was. A, it was. It did seem. It, and it said it was like a picture of you and i think it was the second session because claire craig was in the first one and then the second session yeah. it was just blokes and under a banner saying the conservative woman so it did seem a, a tad ironic do you know it didn't even occur to me at all i suppose it's because my my sexism is so ingrained or maybe i'm just so reactionary that i just don't think it matters what or maybe sex maybe or maybe panel. you don't maybe no maybe it's the other way around maybe you're the equivalent of being kind of gender colorblind so you just don't notice people's gender yeah. and just judge them as individuals no i reckon if you'd asked me what was wrong with that panel i would have um and you give me an hour i still don't think i would have worked out well i don't think, I, I don't think there was anything wrong with it oh and i haven't mentioned the highlight which yeah. was um, Mike Yeadon, Mike right. Yeadon, who was the who was the guy who, who I think really turned me um, towards scepticism about the him and Dolores Cahill were the two people who really made me sceptical about about the the death jab and probably um, were you know helped me helped me <laughs> decide not to take it. And he was great. He was really and good. Did, did he get um, a kind of um, Robert Plant like reception? Totally. Oh, I, I mean, you know, he he was. <laughs> He, he was Elvis, or, or I don't right. know what, what what would be even bigger than Led Zeppelin. But he was, yeah, he was. Um, I, there was a lot of love for the for the for the panel from the audience. Right, that they were um, because I, I think that the people who turn up to these kind of events feel very beleaguered. Often they find them that they're the only person in their household or or in their office who is skeptical about about vaccines or whatever and they feel very very lonely and they come to these events and suddenly they realize they're not alone that there are other people out there so it's so it's a kind of kind of a celebration as much as anything else that and, you know, and did any I'm not did, so weird after all 
And did any very attractive women come up to you in the bar yes. afterwards and say, I just want you to know I'm Team James and you're my hero. Can I yes. buy a T-shirt? Yeah. <laughs> I can honestly say, Tobes, that, 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 that it was absolutely the case. And, <laughs> and, and they were all very, very beautiful and, and sincere in their belief that I am fantastic, which is just <laughs> like good. Do you, do, you ever t- do, you ever, do you take Tiffany to these events so she can see that, you know, outside the home... Um, you are revered as a kind of countercultural no, icon because it would it would freak her out, and she would just think the world had gone completely mad <laughs> because nobody nobody could nobody could ha- have that much um, faith in somebody who's so totally useless. No, do you think she'd be busy taking them all to one side? And thinking, I think you've got you've, you've got James all wrong. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure, Tobes. It was the same with. Napoleon. Mrs. Young. I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, Mrs. Napoleon, Josephine, was she, was she his wife or was she his mistress? I think she was his mistress. Yeah. So Mrs. Napoleon would have gone home and said, oh, I have just won Austerlitz. And, and Mrs. Napoleon would say, yeah, just, can you, look, can you just go and do the dishes or, or you know, put the, can you, can you, can you deworm the cat and clear up that dog sick? That's or, how it would be. Or, yeah, you know, you're talking a big game now, but you haven't taken on Wellington yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, okay. It's like being the Duke of Wellington then, and Mrs. <laughs> Wellington, whoever she was, Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Wellesley, Lady Wellesley, Lady... Yeah. Yeah. Lady Wellesley. Um, so, I'm sure James, it's like been like that all through the ages. Let's, let's, um, let's discuss... Um, one topic and then go to our first ad but i thought the topic we could discuss i don't know what you make of this um uh ufos being shot down hovering above u.s and canadian airspace slightly odd story i mean obviously the assumption we all make is that these are just more chinese surveillance balloons but no no the, you make i don't <laughs> but that that but was it norad have have said that um they've made it clear that that you know they they're, they're not initially um, ruling out that they may be unidentified flying objects and yeah. containing extraterrestrial visitors. I mean, I think if, if if they haven't ruled that out, if they think there's a possibility that these unidentified flying objects contain aliens from another galaxy, I mean, it seems a little bit it seems a little bit uh, unfriendly <laughs> to shoot them down. I mean, if, if they think there's a genuine possibility, shouldn't they try and capture them, you know, st- guide them to Earth so we can then have a conversation with these extraterrestrial visitors instead of just blowing them out of the sky? I mean, it's like, this is how disaster movies begin. And you always think, I always think when watching these disaster movies, now, come on, you know, the Earth wouldn't be so unfriendly towards these aliens. Or maybe the mistake they make in disaster movies is to initially be too friendly. So maybe, you know, maybe the commanders of the US Air Force have seen Independence Day, realised that, um, you know, you have to treat these invaders as a hostile threat until proven otherwise and just shoot them out of the sky until they raise the equivalent of an E.T. white flag. What do you think? I was a little bit shocked that if they think they might actually be visitors from another world, that we just shot them down. Um, do, you, what, 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 do you think they are? aliens well no i don't um i i'm i'm i mean I, I wouldn't rule it out completely i mean i'm sort of agnostic i suppose but i think the possibility i think occam's razor dictates that they're more likely to be chinese chinese surveillance balloons than you know visitors but, from why would galaxy. the chinese use balloons to well to well, they, survey I mean, presumably this is they've a, got this satellites is, that can do this stuff 
new new kind of warfare they can take more detailed pictures i suppose what sort of low tech <laughs> low tech they've, they've given up yeah. on satellites and they decided <laughs> oh we're going to put up some blimps in instead uh, well the first know. one I mean, but the first one the, implausible. but the chinese um have acknowledged that the first one that was shot down was in fact a Chinese surveillance balloon so it's not as if they're not doing this and they haven't admitted that it's just a question of whether these other three are also Chinese surveillance balloons okay well I was I um I think let's let's not not get distracted by by the last week's psyop and let's let's move on to this week's the 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 first thing about about UFOs is that I mean those of us who are down the rabbit hole aren't remotely surprised by the, this story because the the um the the red pilled person's red pill person a guy a guy called bill cooper when he was when he was serving in the u.s navy in vietnam he witnessed this this extraordinary craft coming out of the sea you know a, a sort of disc shaped craft coming out of the sea performing all these these kinds of extraordinary maneuvers that are supposedly beyond beyond our technical ability uh and you know hovering and so on and then accelerating at just unfeasible speeds etc etc so this has been this stuff has been known to to the military on the quiet certainly since the end of the the, the Second World War, that there are these, these well, UFOs, unidentified flying objects. They've been witnessed by fighter pilots. They've been, they've been tracked on satellite systems. They've been witnessed by loads and loads of people. So it's no surprise that they're around. The, 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 the question then is, who are these, or what are these creatures flying these things? Um, my own view is that they are not from outer space. I don't believe they're aliens. I, I think that they are probably the descendants of the Nephilim, who are the essentially the, 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 the descendants of the fallen angels, you know, when, when Satan and his crew were, were, were kicked out of heaven, um, which, which may sound, I mean, I, I imagine you, you not being a Christian, you, you, you'd find that all sort of crazy stuff. But um, it... I mean, it, but, it, it, but it, so you think they they're taking off from Earth and hovering about and oh, then getting I think shot that down. these I think I think that these 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 people these these creatures whatever they are have been with us since the beginning of time. Um, but if they, but why wouldn't we know? I mean, why would, if they've got a base somewhere, you know, in North America, what? No, it's in An- Antarctica. Would so wouldn't it have been detected yet? Well, it, no, it is. It is known about. It is known about, but it's but it's known about only at very high levels of, of military intelligence. That, that's what but, I mean. But if these, but, of, but why 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 is the U.S. military shooting them out of the sky if they're you know descendants of angels? Oh well, I don't believe I don't believe anything they tell us. I'm just I'm just saying that these these UFOs have exist uh, uh, have existed and we've known they've existed for 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 well, I mean, all our lifetimes. Um, it but 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 anything surrounding them it, the. I'd been expecting this story to 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 come out for quite some time because um, I think uh, some some people in in a weak communities have been predicting a, a fake alien invasion for several several decades. I mean, certainly uh, twenty years ago, I think people were talking about this stuff. Um, but more recently, Cliff High, who's who's a podcaster, has been saying, you know, he was he was he was saying two years ago um, 
the the next thing the next psyop they're gonna they're gonna try on us is is fake alien alien invasion. It's all it's all with part view, of put, with a view to with, what? A, with a view to terrorizing and controlling the populace and deceiving them with signs and wonders. Right, but so you think that this this may well be a be a forerunner to some kind of major psyop in which we're told that the Earth is being invaded by extraterrestrials. Yes. So, so last year it was you know, the, the year before last. It was the it was the the coronavirus. Um, then last year it was it was blue and yellow flags everywhere, and this year's blue and yellow flags is is oh look UFOs. It's all it's all lies. It's all it's all designed to distract us from whatever whatever nefarious schemes they are planning to but impose it, on this next bit CBDC. If, if they were planning this psyop. What, it sounds like a kind of. Why would they rely on the fallen angels to launch their spaceships? And no, fly no, no, no. And... I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that the, the, the story they're telling us. I'm saying you're confusing two different things. I'm saying that these UFOs have been around for some time. I'm not necessarily saying that the things they've shot down or allegedly shot down over Lake Huron, etc., are UFOs. That could just be a. That just could just be a deception. Right, so so fact, I think likely it is a deception. Right. I mean, you think about it. If, if if these craft are capable of doing things which no fighter aircraft, no submarine is capable of, and they're and they're and, and they're like a, a super sub and a, a, a super fighter rolled into one that can perform manoeuvres that no no military aircraft craft can perform, then it seems unlikely that they'd allow themselves to be shot down if they're that good. I mean, yeah, apart well, from anything else, wouldn't they have defensive systems? Right, but 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 they don't appear to be anything like that. They just appear to be balloon-like objects, don't they? Or, or octagonal objects, but you know, surveillance apparatus. I don't know. Kind. I haven't I haven't seen one, and I, I'd I'd love to I'd love to see what the wreckage looks like. The alleged. But I think they are they are going to they are the wreckage has fallen into. Um, I think a deep lake. US you, 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 North American territory so it's going to be recovered yeah. and and analyzed. Um so I guess we'll find out but um well, I, my, my my read is obviously <laughs> less elaborate than yours. My read is that um these evidently are Chinese surveillance balloons or something similar produced by, you know, China. Um uh, and the reason, you know, Norad haven't immediately um describe them as such is because they don't want to escalate tensions uh with the chinese authorities or with the chinese government having um shot down what plainly was a chinese surveillance balloon last week um so oh. I, I would have thought they just they just don't want to jump to conclusions before they've before they've appeared to have gone through a kind of process of due diligence partly in the hope of taking some of the heat out of you know tensions between the two countries at the moment, which seem to be erupting in the what the Taiwan Straits. Right. Well, I'm 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 uh, veering towards Team China um, because I think, however bad the Chinese are, they're not nearly as bad as the as the British American um, alliance. I mean, I I, 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 I I fear and I fear and distrust the American British alliance and and NATO far more than I do anything as opposed. Enemies. So, like, so my enemy's enemy is my friend. That, that, that. I think you could, I think you might be able to make that argument if you knew less about um, China. Um, but it does seem to be a pretty brutal totalitarian 
regime, which we know has well, imprisoned up Ted, to nearly two million we, Muslims. Um, yeah, we, we 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 know we know the ter- what terrible things the, the Chinese do, but but one of the things that that we talked about at this um, TCW um, event was the extraordinary fact that we now have this this government which uses an organisation like Ofcom to stop newspapers and TV channels. You know, maybe we can talk about this in a bit. Um, we're going to talk about GB News at all. That I mean, that's, that we, we didn't talk about it last week. Maybe we should. We could talk about it, yeah. But should we hear from should we hear from um, one of our sponsors first? Yeah, I think we should. Okay. Oh, this is this is one of, from 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 one of our friends. If you're responsible for a business and for commercial or buy to let property, you're probably keeping a weather eye on the economy right now. Enter Dan Gaskin, cheerful fellow skeptic and owner of Crest Mortgages. Dan is an ex-Royal Navy warfare officer who has bought and sold companies and thrives on making sure you are financially protected and provided for with mortgages, life assurance, equity release or other specialist lending. Whether you're Team Toby or Team James, Dan will help you navigate through stormy economic seas. Dan is also interested in networking with fellow established business owners in order to find opportunities to work with people looking for investment in their company or are looking to implement their exit strategy. To talk through commercial and financial challenges in complete confidence, call 0116-502-3000 and do please also connect at www.linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash dan d-a-n gaskin g-a-s for sugar k-i-n and to be fca compliant crest mortgages is a trading style of epiphany investments limited which is an appointed representative of the open work partnership a trading style of open work limited which is authorized and regulated by the financial conduct authority we choose to be part of the open work partnership an award-winning network your house may be repossessed if you do not keep up with repayments on your mortgage Hello, Toby. Hi, James. <laughs> Sorry, you were you were just you were just mesmerised, weren't you, by my rapid reading of that of the uh, very good, no, very good rapid disclaimer. Reading. Yeah, we have to we have to get that in for yeah. regulatory reasons. Um, so yeah, GB News and Mark Stein. Um, yes, uh, I, I I've I've been thinking about this because um, uh, you know I used to be on Mark's show um, every week, and I like Mark and. Um, as General Secretary of the Free Speech Union, several people have contacted the FSU and said, isn't this something you should be getting involved in? Um, and just to put this in context, we did get involved um, with trying to rein in Ofcom um, at the beginning of the pandemic. So when Ofcom issued its coronavirus guidance, which we felt was very heavy handed, um, we um, challenged Ofcom in the High Court and tried to apply to judicially review uh, the guidance, um, which we thought, amongst other things, was a breach of Article 10 of the European Convention on Human Rights, which protects free speech. And um, we didn't get very far. So um, we, we, we got to an oral hearing. Um, so we did at least get to stand in front of a judge and make an argument. But the judge rejected our application um so we so, so but we we did we did we did do what we could 
to try and rein in Ofcom. And it may be that um, because we challenged Ofcom um, and the judge wasn't wholly unsympathetic, although he did in the end throw it out, um, it may have, we think, stayed the hand of Ofcom and made them less intrusive and authoritarian than they were inclined to be. Um, But I'm not sure. I mean, one thing about this is um, uh, I think that, you know, Ofcom set the rules and if you're a licensed broadcaster you have to follow those rules so even though I can understand why Mark is upset that GB News effectively said look if you want to come back on you're going to have to agree to play by these rules I'm not sure GB News had much choice given that there are these two complaints against Mark's show that are currently being investigated Um, and given that you know the the regulator can fine Ofcom can fine its licensees over a million pounds. They did that, I think, in two thousand and eight. They fined ITV over a million pounds. So the financial stakes aren't trivial. And also, if uh, too many strikes, if Ofcom, you know, um, uh, records too many strikes against a licensee, they can then revoke the broadcaster's license. And that's obviously something that uh, GB News has to be concerned about. Uh, I mean, I think the the villain, if there is a villain in this piece is Ofcom, not GB News. Um, and um, and I think, uh, you know, it may well be that the Free Speech Union um, uh, challenges Ofcom's decision in, in, in the case of these two investigations, but it hasn't yet pronounced its verdict. We don't know what those decisions are, so it would be premature to kind of stick our oar in at this point. And to be fair to Ofcom, as I'm doing a piece about this to the for the spectator this week, so I, I called Ofcom earlier today to put a few questions to their press officer. They pointed out that um that many complaints have been made about many of Mark's programmes, including the programme in which he interviewed various people who'd suffered vaccine injuries or who whose loved ones had died uh, seemingly as a consequence of taking the COVID vaccines. They received lots of complaints about those programmes and didn't investigate any of them. They recently received a complaint about a Neil Oliver programme. They didn't investigate that. And it was pointed out to me that they had investigated and upheld complaints against the BBC and ITV. So it's not as if they're singling out, you know, GB News for this punishment beating. Um, so I think it would be premature to um, attack Ofsted, uh, Ofcom rather, um, but it may well be that if if we'll have to see what their their adjudications are, and if we if we conclude that they are holding GB News to a higher standard than the BBC or ITV or Sky News when it comes to you know coverage of the vaccines and the pandemic response more widely, then then there could be the basis for a complaint there. Um, you're sounding quite. It, it's like you're part of the establishment there, Tobes. I, I, I'm, I'm quite surprised. I mean, I, I always thought that, that like me, you, you were um, a journalist and, and, and commentator who sort of, who, who took, took sides against, when you saw a manifest injustice, that, that you, you went for it. But, but here you are sort of saying, if Ofcom is, a, is, is the villain. I mean, surely there's no doubt that Ofcom is the villain. I mean, I, never mind... How I, I mean, I, I agree with your with your point that GB News has been bullied into this position, but here we have what is essentially um, the the uh, bully boy arm of an increasingly unaccountable authoritarian state, which is using the which is deploying powers of censorship that one hitherto would not have expected to see 
outside the Soviet Union or in, in, in Mao's China or whatever. And we're living in, in England, Tobes. We're not living we're not living behind the Iron Curtain. And yet here is this organization, Ofcom, with this sort of slightly sinister Orwellian name, um, deciding that that no no broadcaster, no, no broadcaster that wants to be on TV of any kind, even if it even if it's a, a, a sort of niche channel for for sort of sceptical people, like like I, I suppose GB News wanted to be, not even GB News apparently is now allowed to report on on probably the most pressing issue facing our country today in that lots and lots of people have been injured by vaccines which they were which, which aren't even vaccines that they were encouraged to take by a government bullying campaign and they've now suffered injury a significant number of them a proportion of them have suffered injury or death and here is the government's chief censor saying you cannot report on this stuff and if you do report on this stuff we are going to make sure that the, the person who does it is going to get get censured and lose his job. That seems to me the scandal here. And, and the idea that you can just say, well, on the one hand and the other, just seems to me uh, an abnegation of your responsibility. I mean, of the very things that made me want to become a journalist, speaking truth to power, but which you seem to have abandoned. I mean, I'm a bit disappointed, I have to say. Well, if what you just said was true, then um, I would be. Uh, more up in arms about it but it's not um, GB News are not being prevented from reporting about vaccine injuries um, it's uh, they haven't you know they, they, there have been many complaints about GB News programmes well, how many complaints and, and what do you think those they, complaints where do you think they came from do you, you don't think they were whipped well, hold up on, hold by... on James but, 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 but Ofcom has said um, we don't think GB News is in breach simply for reporting about vaccine injuries so that's not the issue uh, I mean, the two the two um, uh, segments on Mark's show that Ofcom are investigating. So the first one was a segment in which um, he uh, showed a graph. I think it was um, uh, s- some data, I think, um, compiled by the UK Health Security Agency um, showing that um, deaths amongst the triple jabbed were higher than deaths amongst those who hadn't been vaccinated. And he extrapolated from this that um, having the jabs um, not only didn't protect you from um, COVID-19, but actually made you more likely to die. Um, But what he hadn't understood was that um, the graphs were showing uh, deaths of all causes higher amongst the triple triple jab um, uh, rather than just deaths from COVID-19. And one of the reasons for that is because people who've been triple jabbed um, are more likely to be much older than the unvaccinated. So not all that surprising that, you know, deaths from all causes are higher amongst the triple jab than the unvaccinated. And, you know, Jamie Jenkins, the former ONS statistician, actually criticised Mark when he broadcast that. And Mark then subsequently had him on the show um, and, and, and essentially, you know, um, well, allowed anyway someone else to put a different point of view. But that was there were four complaints about that. And his, the complaint was that he'd been using statistics in a misleading way. I think Mark well, just that may have been honestly the complaint. understood them. But but is it is it is it is it genuine? I mean, is it justified? It sounds like you well, are now it wasn't, the chief it was, but it wasn't, maker but it wasn't, for the vaccine establishment. Well, but it, but it wasn't just in that instance. It wasn't that they were 
um, they're investigating a complaint that Mark reported on vaccine injuries, which was your initial claim that Ofcom is being used by the government to prevent GB News reporting on vaccine injuries. That's not the case in the first complaint, nor is it the case in the second. Well, the second well, hang on a James, second. Have you have you you've watched what Mark has said about? Yeah, why I did. I went, he lost I went his back. job. Oh no, no, I and went back and watched, very, the, very watched that program. It's very, very clear that his his position has been made untenable. That, that he's got he's been told that he's got to have an Ofcom liaison officer, somebody you know, some in-house. I think uh, Ofcom's bitch. I think was the phrase he used. Ofcom's bitch policing his every move in a way that I don't think. Well, I mean, obviously, the, 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 there's no, no need for such things at the BBC because they do they they, they push. Ofcom's agenda anyway but you've got this organization news organization which is which is daring to be lightly critical of the official narrative and it gets shat on by Ofcom and you think that's a reasonable thing well because of the excuses that Ofcom have given you well no I mean I'm just just telling you the details because you appear to have misunderstood what's happening well, you call they're, them not, they're, not, they're not investigating I call them excuses i call well, I, I call you you are excuse making you're bragging you're for, bragging about for the establishment but you talked about you know being a journalist and why you wanted to become a journalist i mean surely if you're a journalist you want to find out the facts before kind of leaping to a conclusion and i'm telling you gb news is not being investigated for reporting on vaccine injuries they're they're being investigated in this one instance that, that was why they're being investigated for, for mis, uh, supposedly misleading use of statistics and they haven't upheld the complaint yet bear that in mind um so you may be jumping to jumping the gun a bit there and the second segment that they're stein's gone Tobes. he's gone on. already I, I how can i be jumping the gun when he's already been well, you're jumping you're jumping the gun if you're claiming that ofsted are necessarily are going you, you're sort of ofcom are going to uphold this complaint i mean you seem to have misunderstood what the complaint was about and you're also <laughs> assuming that ofcom are going to uphold the complaint when they haven't done that yet but the second complaint james is about mark's interview an interview he did with naomi wolf i think in october in which in which naomi wolf described the mrna vaccines as a bioweapon um uh, compared i think the likely death toll from the um, vaccines to the Holocaust and um, uh, accused the public health authorities of mass murder. Uh, and that received over 400 complaints and that's being investigated too. So that's not just a simple drawing attention to vaccine injuries. That's going beyond drawing attention to vaccine injuries and making various assertions about, you know, um, the motives. It, of the it's co- it's called comment, Toby. Yeah, it's but called it, comment. If, if, but if you're a li- and I think I think it would have been fine for him to have featured her saying those things if if there'd been you know someone else putting a different point of view or if he tried to contextualise them in some way when she was saying them. Um, and but I think that, that's every, why that's why that's why Ofcom's investigating the complaint. And again, every it hasn't other been news yet. channel already puts across the point of view that your 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 complaining may not have been represented on that particular segment. I mean, the weight of the media is entirely on the side of this official narrative, which you're now helping to, bizarrely, to prop well, up. I, d- I don't not, understand I'm not, that. I'm not defending the official narrative. I think that, I just think you're exaggerating, um, uh, so far anyway, the role that Ofsted is playing in maintaining that narrative. I don't think it is being as heavy-handed or authoritarian in this instance as you're accusing it of being, particularly as it hasn't yet published it they haven't yet made a decision about whether or not well to when melanie Dawes steps down maybe maybe she'll keep the seat warm for you because it sounds <laughs> like <laughs> i think i mean i think i think i think on on yeah mark mark um mark has left the channel um but um you know i think he could have negotiated 
with GB News had he wanted to. Uh, he I mean, was I think put the, in an untenable position. How could he well, have negotiated well, against the, the contract they were imposing on him? Well, I spoke where, to a lawyer about that, James. I mean, um, so the con- the contract they, they were imposing on him, I mean, the, the critical thing, which, which clearly was a deal breaker for him, was GB News saying, you have to be liable um, for any fines that are levied against the channel by Ofcom as a result of breaches of the broadcasting code on your segment. Um, and uh, But I don't think, I think he could have pushed back. I mean, if he'd have shown this contract, maybe he did show his contract to a competent employment lawyer, they would have said that, that, that clause is unenforceable. And in addition, I think Ofcom would have frowned on GB News for trying to insure against, you know, being fined by, by them uh, in that way. I mean, obviously licensees are going to behave in a less compliant way if they think they can simply pass on the cost of being fined or insure against it. So I think Ofcom would have had something to say about that. So I think he could have pushed back and said, look, this is just untenable. Let's negotiate. Um, there must be another way of you know, ensuring that I have due regard for Ofcom's broadcasting code and do what I can to protect the reputation of the channel uh, from you know, um, complaints and so forth. Um, But it sounds like he kind of flew off the handle or decided this was a kind of, I mean, he's been in the wars, he's had two heart attacks, so maybe he could have been handled differently, a bit more delicately, a bit more diplomatically. I don't know. I don't know the story. Um, I don't know enough of the details. But um, I think, to my mind, it felt like what what GB News were asking of him was the opening salvo and what was intended to be a negotiation. And Mark decided he didn't want to enter into that negotiation and immediately kind of blew up the relationship by, you know, using the B word to describe a member of staff at GB News and calling the managing director a liar. So in a way, you know, I I don't think he was in I don't think I don't think he had no choice but to react in that way. Uh, And I'm not sure I and I I do understand GB News's position in wanting him to, you know, comply with um, the broadcasting regulations, because if he doesn't um, uh, and, you know, complaints are upheld again and again, not only will they lose money, but they risk losing their broadcasting license. These are the rules and GB News has to play by the rules. And so do its presenters. Yeah, Mm. Obviously, <laughs> it's a bit like saying, yeah, well, of course, those pesky Uyghurs have to understand that the Chinese authorities have said that that, that criticism of the Chinese regime is, 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 is unacceptable and therefore they should accept whatever's coming to them because those are the laws. But that's what you're doing. You're just, you're just essentially in, endorsing the, set, the, the status quo, even though the status quo is really unjust and it's bizarre. Well, I, I mean, it's you, not know, quite you're, like... you're, you're, you are a, a, a commentator. You're not just a kind of, you know, you're not William, you're not editing the Times. Well, I think, I think another, another, another consideration here, James, is that, um, you know, from a free speech point of view, um, GB News is by some distance the most pro-free speech of the news broadcasters. Um, it is, it is, it is in on a variety of culture war issues. It is much more closely aligned with us than it is with the people on the other side. Um, so it seems kind of, um, you know, um, a, a bit foolish to pick a fight with GB News over this issue and condemn GB News out of hand and to say it's no different from the BBC or ITV or Sky. Who was doing that? Um, well, that's it. A lot of people who've been condemning GB News is... Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm condemning Ofcom. I think Ofcom, okay. are the, Ofcom are the problem. They're appalling. I'm just surprised that you're not, you're not more appalled. Well, because it seems to me it's just, it's wrong. It's, it's I think, like... I think, I think, I mean, I think, I think if Ofcom upholds these complaints, um, then it may well be 
you know, that that decision could be judicially reviewed if we think GB News is holding, sorry, Ofcom is holding GB News to a much higher standard and people who've complained about, for instance, public health panjandrum saying on the BBC that the vaccines provide you with 100% protection and prevent other people getting infected and so forth. If someone's complained about that and Ofcom didn't investigate that complaint, um, then there might well be a case for, for, for accusing Ofcom of having a double standard. But that's, you know, that's down the road. I think it would be premature to accuse them of that now. Um, and, you know, we'd, we'd weaken any credibility we might have. Uh, it would be as though we'd completely prejudge this without actually considering the adjudication. Um, if we if we decided, you know, that Ofcom's the villain before, before you know, they'd actually published what they've decided to do about this or made a decision. I'm prepared to take that risk, Toby. I think yeah. Ofcom are most definitely the, the villain, and this is like something out of Soviet Russia. I think it's I think it's dismal. Um, I've gone and lost. I, I've, I've just been clicking on the on my my email from you, and I've lost the Thor. Oh, hang on, maybe. Well, let me do one while you look for that because it's yeah, my turn. okay. Um, so. This is an ad for King Alfred School. Do you want your children to be able to think like Plato, argue like St. Paul, create like Michelangelo, command like Queen Elizabeth I, compose like Bach, and write like Milton? Send them to us at the King Alfred School in Dudley. We are standing firm while schools do the wokey-cokey. We stand for truth, not indoctrination, goodness, not activism, and beauty, not mediocrity. We hold fast to the principles of classical education and are renewing this highly successful British method of schooling for the generations to come. Support us as we strive to bring up free thinkers who know and love their Western cultural heritage. To get involved or find out more, go to our website, which is www.thekingalfredschool.co.uk. That's thekingalfredschool, all one word, .co.uk. Or go to their GoFundMe page and search for Classical British Education and become part of the groundswell movement that is reviving British classical education for all our children. That website address again, www.thekingalfredschool.co.uk. So, James, um, what else? The, um, do you want to talk about the Super Bowl, the halftime no, show? No, I don't. The, I, the, what the, I the really want to talk about. Um, I, I don't care about the Super Bowl and um, I've got nothing to say about it. I did want to ask you about the Seymour Hirsch piece. Yes. Which, which, which is something I yeah. said, you remember, when we talked about this, I said, yeah, this is this is just the Americans blowing up the, the Nord Stream pipeline. It's not, yes. it's not the Russians at all. And I think you, you were saying, well, it's too early to say. <laughs> yes, yes. But I don't think you've been definitively proved correct, James, by the Seymour Hirsch piece, which um, no, 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 everybody's no, no. I, I'm not, but, poured cold but, water on. But, but, but to be fair... He does. I mean, Seymour Hirsch. He he was a he's a some say he's the last great investigative journalist. He was the guy who broke the my life my life massacre story. Yes, um, and, and he's winner of many his, awards. But he's, he's gone a bit. He's gone a bit. Detailed. Well, of course, you, I, you you can give me your your point of view in a second. That he's written this very detailed substack um, identifying the 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 unit, the U.S. naval unit responsible for blowing up the the Nord Stream pipeline and he's 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 said it was a particular it was a particular branch of the navy rather than special forces because had they used special forces um it would have had to have been um pre-announced to to congress whereas this this way they could they could do it all under the radar now i'm i have no doubt that this release is what's known as a limited 
hangout in that it 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 it, it, it has suited the US establishment to leak out the story for heaven knows knows what reason that this this information is has been been selectively leaked out but that said i think it is it's very hard to read the piece and not conclude that seymour hirsch is on top of his material that it was not the russians well i mean why would putin blow up his own pipeline his own own oil pipeline gas pipeline yeah i mean uh, we we we've been covering the we covered seymour hirsch's um story extensively in the daily skeptic and um it, it, it we don't think it stands up to scrutiny um for one thing he only has one source um you know which uh it, back when he was Who, who's we top, you're the royal well, we well um uh right our contr- con- the, the sort of the star who, who are your go-to writers well, well, the the the, the, the go to writers on this are Noah Carl, who's been writing about this now for uh, you know ever, ever since Nord Stream pipelines were blown up, and um, Ian Rons. Um, Ian Rons, who is fanatically fanatically anti anti Putin and pro the the Ukraine agenda. I mean, I've I've noticed in his in well, his he's he's on a different he's on a different side of the issue to Noah, um, but I think both are perfectly reasonable and both set, make their cases extremely persuasively i think it's a, a good right. debate so your two journalists disagree I, with this this no yeah they, they both think this is probably they don't necessarily rule out i have to say america being responsible but they don't think that um seymour hirsch has uncovered a smoking gun here i mean one of the problems with the story is that seymour hirsch's claim that they used this um uh uh, they used a, a branch of the U.S. Navy that wasn't the SEALs in order to avoid congressional oversight. According to Ron, according to Ian Rons, that's just nonsense. That covert action of this type, whichever you know, whichever unit you used of the U.S. Navy, would have to be approved by Congress. They couldn't have escaped scrutiny and having to present it to the you know the members of the congressional committee, the Gang of Eight, um, by using this kind of um, slightly odd kind of non-special forces bit of the Navy, uh, they still would have had to approve it. So, th- so that kind of premise of the Seymour Hirsch kind of revelation doesn't seem to withstand much scrutiny. Um, and it, it was also kind of, he talks he only talks about one of the pipelines being blown up, not the other, which is slightly odd, as though Seymour Hirsch wasn't aware that two pipelines were blown up and not one as though you know he's like left out half the story without explaining why he's left it out or seemingly being aware that he's left out half the story which is slightly odd anyway so we didn't think that um i mean i think it's perfectly possible and i'm certainly not ruling out that america was responsible for blowing up the Nord Stream pipelines um uh but i but i don't think this this proves that that america was and i don't think it's um, the american authorities i don't think it's biden um or the national you know his his kind of national security advisors deciding well let's leak let's 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 leak a bit of this story to Seymour Hirsch because it's going to come out anyway but because they they've emphatically denied it and you know if they were going to do that i think they would have done it using a slightly more credible source who set out his argument in a slightly more credible way so i don't what, think, you think they'd have a kind it, of an op-ed on the front of the wall street journal explaining the, the, well they the, could have given it to another signed in triplicate by the president they, they could have leaked it to another. It that's could not, have leaked it to another. That's investor not how it works, that, That's not. Well, I'm, glad, and, I'm, and, I'm, I'm mean, glad you know, know how I, it works. And I, I, I also don't, I don't <laughs> understand why you think why you think um, your your journalist Ian Rons would would be more familiar with the workings of uh, American congressional author, authorization and, and I mean unless Ian's a kind of 
spook or something and has an insight into how these things work i mean well he's the question of he said versus she said isn't it no it's not no no i think in this case he he looked at um the relevant statute and how it defines covert action um and uh according to the definition of covert action in that statute which says that it has to be approved by this congressional committee what what happened if if it happened in the way Seymour Hirsch describes it falls squarely within that definition so Seymour Hirsch's claim that it used this um uh n- n- navy divers instead of special forces to carry out this operation in order to avoid congressional scrutiny because they didn't and- want to it is obviously wrong I mean, and, and where are you, he's, are he's, you on the... he's looked he's looked at the statue you could read it it's online um, where, where it's are you on, he... on, on the, the text allegedly sent by liz truss who was then briefly prime minister saying i think it's done that she sent to anthony blinken about what well, that, 30 that, seconds that, after that, the after did... after the after the thing that had <laughs> wasn't, after the, wasn't... The, the operation had been carried out well it wasn't the source for that text um the chinese foreign intelligent agent um well they'd is, know wouldn't they well they also have a motive for um right so you think, the blame it, was, on the you think it was enemy disinformation <laughs> well I, I think I'm, I'm not sure i don't see why you would trust it given its source that seems like a pretty tainted source and a source that would have an ulterior motive for blaming the british and americans right i see the reason i suggested we have a chat about the um super bowl is because um there was I don't, it, it, during the well, first of all, um, during the pre-show, um, uh, the black national anthem was sung, the African American national anthem, and that's now happened for the third year running, um, which and it strikes me as kind of, and it obviously dates back to the Black Lives Matter brouhaha and black athletes refusing to kneel when the national anthem is played and so forth. So it's more inclusive to have an African American national anthem alongside but the idea that you know that the american national anthem isn't for all americans but just for americans of european heritage uh, and that and that you know americans uh, of color have to have a different national anthem and presumably if 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 african americans have to have their own national anthem how long before asian americans you know um uh, and indian americans and japanese americans um uh, and hispanic americans all demand their own national anthem. I mean, the, the pre-show will take hours as these national anthems are painstakingly played. So every person in the stadium, you know, can be can be satisfied that their identity group has been suitably recognised. It just seems completely ridiculous in a in a mad precedent. But during the during the actual halftime show, Rihanna, who revealed her pregnancy to the world, I and mean, it seems odd, doesn't it? You know, these celebs are constantly complaining about their privacy being invaded and she decides to use the most most viewed segment on primetime american television to tell the world she's pregnant anyway she revealed her baby bump but but she she went on to spray paint a car as part of her show with um f donald trump which um trump was understandably upset about and he called it the worst halftime show in super bowl history and said that she'd insulted far more than half our nation um, which I thought was quite funny. What he means is that, you know, more than half Americans voted for me um, at the last presidential election. And I was cheated of that election victory. And I should be in the White House. Even more than half were insulted by her spray painting F Donald Trump on a car. But it does strike me as a pretty 
uh, pretty bad way to behave in what is supposed to be a kind of, you know, a kind of celebration of American football, which brings the nation together. I mean, you can understand tribal rivalries between the teams, but you don't want to kind of, you know, um, inject partisanship into the halftime show and also use kind of potty-mouthed language to describe your political opponents. It just seems completely inappropriate, though, of course. It was kind of wildly cheered and celebrated um, by the fans. Um, anyway, I thought that was disappointing from Rihanna, who I think has gone downhill since her her cameo in Battleship. <laughs> ah. Um, shall I do the Thorad now? Do the Thorad, yeah. Yes. When asked, 80% of business owners couldn't recall the last time their advisor or non-exec, pushed back on them with a genuine challenge. Ask these three questions to ensure you engage with a truly valuable business advisor. 1. Do they actively and intelligently challenge my perspectives? 2. Do they hold me accountable to deliver against agreed, agreed strategy? 3. Do they defend my shareholder value against all comers, including me? Energy Industry Venture Capital Director Keith Mayer, who's known Thor for 25 years and acted on hundreds of boards, said, Thor, you'll make a good non-executive director for the same reason you've been a good coach. You ask challenging questions and you take no prisoners. To see Thor question the current thing, culture drunk, pronoun parroting, business community, connect at LinkedIn forward slash in forward slash Thorholt for regular, regular doses of commercial reality vax. God, blimey, blimey, thought. <laughs> Regular doses of commercial reality vax. Tim North, owner, branded build company, for whom Thor is a non-executive director, said, Thor, you do what you say on the tin, but better. You've absolutely turbocharged me, proper stoked my fire. To join Thor's invite-only, sceptical, enterprising community quietly building towards their freedom exits, join for free at thorholt.substack.com and connect linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Thorholt. So, shall we move on to Culture Corner now, James? I think, I think we should. The first thing we should discuss is the... Um, the fact that John Cleese has announced he's making a new series of Faulty Towers um, and uh, he's doing it with Rob Reiner's production company, which immediately rings alarm bells because Rob Reiner um, is, 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 suffers from Trump derangement syndrome and seems to tweet uh, stuff about Trump on an almost hourly basis. He seems completely... I know, deranged. he made some good movers in his time, didn't he? He, he did. made Stand yeah, by Harry Me. Met Sally. Stand by Harry Me. Met Sally. And yeah. um, a Spinal Tap. Yeah, no, he has made some good movies in his time, but um, yeah, he hasn't made any good movies recently, and he must be nearing ninety by now. Maybe that's an exaggeration. Oh, but really? He's getting on a bit. Uh, as is John Cleese. Of as course. is John I mean, Cleese. I mean, I mean I would, are, it, are it, any of the teams still around? No, is, I think Manuel's his, dead, isn't he? Andrew Sachs. Yeah, and I and I think um, I think uh, Polly. I think I, I don't know if Polly's still around, but um, they were married Sybil. at the time. So I, Civil, I don't think, is still around. I think she's gone. Um, the major, he's bound to be gone. Um, oh, the major's so definitely gone. Yeah, yeah. David's definitely gone. He was quite quite elderly even back then. But isn't it just such a terrible mistake to try and remake Faulty Towers? I mean, you know, um, we don't need another. I think the idea is not to remake. It. It's not a reboot exactly. It's a it's a sort of sequel in which he's going to be playing someone his age running 
I think a hotel in Torquay, but not the same hotel. And a ho- maybe it'll be a retirement home or something along those lines. Uh, so they, they have moved the story along a bit and kind of changed things to kind of allow for the fact that he's, you know, 50 years older. Um, but yeah. it's still, I, I, I can't imagine. I mean, when was the last time John Cleese did anything you know you thought was really good i mean yeah you know, he, he's about to he's about to launch a show on gb news and it's gonna be produced by andrew doyle so that may be very good and i think he's made this documentary for channel four in which he's kind of taking a stand against cancel culture and he's been quite good on standing up for free speech i think he cancelled when 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 the cambridge union um uh, uh uh apologized for giving a platform to andrew graham dixon because Andrew Graham Dixon, in the course of a speech, kind of, I think, did a Nazi salute in order to kind of, I think, indicate how authoritarian he thought the other point of view was. But that was somehow misinterpreted as him kind of um, being a Nazi, typical style. And uh, and the Cambridge Union immediately apologised for inviting him. And then John Cleese, who was due to appear at the Cambridge Union and who famously did a very funny impersonation of a Nazi goose step in an episode of Faulty Towers said, well, in that case, they won't want me. So he cancelled. So that was good solidarity with Andrew Graham Dixon. But he's not, I don't, I'm not sure he's like got the creative spark, the energy, um, the comic gift any longer. Um, uh, he's been, he's had uh, too much therapy, I think. And he's, he must be, you know, he's getting on a bit. Um, so he's, isn't he just going to kind of, isn't it just going to cut? Isn't it? It just has kind of dismal, embarrassing failure written all over it, doesn't it? A remake of Faulty Towers now, starring John Cleese. I don't know. I can't imagine. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it'll be good. But it seems like a terrible mistake. They they got out when you know they 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 left on a high. Uh, they did the right thing. They didn't flog the the concept to death. It never jumped the shark. We have two immaculate series of Faulty Towers, which are the jewel in you know television comedy crown. The television comedy crown. I mean, you know, maybe The Office comes close, but still not quite up there. That is the gold standard. Why tarnish that legacy by trying to remake it? Oh, anyway, what do you think? Well, I, uh, I mean, to quote you earlier on, I think, I think, I think it's too early to to, to, to judge. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I wouldn't put money on it on it being a, <laughs> matching the glories of the previous thing. But I don't know. I, I mean, thing is, I was going to mention the show that that last week. I think you touted as a as a possibility, and I thought, oh, I've I've heard it all before. It's going to be rubbish. I've seen it, Nikita. Um, uh, what else? Killing Eve, yada yeah. yada. Which Chloe is that? Is the German, yeah, the the German yeah. Netflix series. Chloe, clear. Is it Chloe or Cleo? So Cleo, Cleo, yeah. And I was pleasantly surprised because it's all about it's all about the treatment, isn't it? You can take um, a hoary cliche, which which the 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 female trained killer mm. assassin character now is i mean there have been so many movies so many um about it haven't there um but this it's why i like watching foreign foreign made netflix there was there was a a quirky turkish made made um series about this virus i think uh, called hot skull where the virus is transmitted by through speech yes you recommended that yeah yeah, I mean, it's it, it wasn't perfect by any means, but it was different because it was Turkish. And you learn things about the Turks, like they really love their mums. So there's a mum character and there's, there's lots of smoking in it, which is always reassuring. And there's lots of 
Turkish food in it, which is reassuring. The, 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 you, you get a sort of handle on the cultural values. And in the same way, the Germans, I mean, they're, they're, they're weird, but they're, and they're sort, of, they're sort of like us and yet not like us. And, and this really comes across in this, in this serial, uh, well, assassin. She, she's an ex, ex-Stasi assassin who's out of a job because the Berlin Wall's come down. And suddenly she finds herself, she's been betrayed by her colleagues and she's determined to avenge herself and stuff. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a fairly cliched premise, but the way it's handled is rather charming. The, the, the actress who plays uh, Cleo is, 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 is good and it's got a sort of, a weird sort of 80s techno aesthetic because the Germans, I suppose, are obsessed with their techno, which they think they're kings of, when maybe they are. Um, and yeah, it's good. Have you have you seen much of it? Yeah, I've seen, well, I watched episode one. I haven't yet committed to the series. So I haven't watched another one. How far are you in? Oh, I'm about about four episodes in. I'd, I'd say it's okay. definitely a keeper. Um, okay. Also, have you seen Clarkson's Farm? Two? No, I haven't. I haven't seen that. I mean, I want to see it now because, of course, I sympathise with Clarkson because of the attempt to cancel him. Is it good? Is it as good as season one? Absolutely. I, I, people people complain that it's all that it's all faked, that, it, that, that they're, they're working to this script, and maybe they are. I, I don't believe it's, it's possible to make that kind of TV without having an idea where it's going. You can't just let the camera run and hope that a, a bit of amusing dialogue is, it somehow finds its way onto the, um, you know, into, into the recording. I mean, some of it is obviously fake. Like, you, you, you know the old bloke, Gerald, with, with, with the moustache, and Gerald speaks in broad Oxfordshire um, so that you can't understand what he's saying. And apparently in real life, <laughs> he's perfectly intelligible, but so Clarkson <laughs> has included him. To, and I'm sure Caleb, the young assistant, plays up to, up to it. Everyone's, everyone's playing their role. Mm-hmm. But I think Clarkson really gets across just how much anyone trying to make a, um, to make a living these days is constrained by all manner of red tape and farmers have it particularly tough and it's all i mean this episode's all, all about how he he tr- clarkson tries to open a a restaurant on his land selling only produce made, made, with, with dishes made only from produce that he has grown or or reared right. Right. so he, he's got these beef cattle this time and I mean, it's a, it's it, it's it's a good idea. It's pro- probably a bit of a bit of a um, a bit of a wheeze design because you you know you can afford to do that sort of thing when you've got Amazon paying paying your paying you millions and when you you know you're kind of loaded anyway and you, you need a new storyline. But that said, um, one wishes that he'd he'd been successful and and he wasn't. He was he was closed down by the local council who put all these objections in his direction and I. I think I think it's like that in 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 the world now. I think a lot of people can identify with his predicament, even mm-hmm. if it's it's kind of dramatized and and slightly faked. That the 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 state doesn't want us to be able to forge our own uh, businesses and identities, and and the, 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 they want to clamp down and control everything. Mm. Yeah, well, I must watch it. Um, I've heard lots of people praise it, and I'm a fan, so um, I definitely should watch it. Um, so um, I've seen a couple of films this week, James. Um, I saw You People, um, which is a comedy written by or co-written by Jonah Hill, 
uh, in which Jonah Hill plays a kind of um, rap obsessed kind of uh, single Jewish man in his possibly in his 40s, I want to say. Um, perhaps he's supposed to be in his 30s. And um, his his mother keeps trying to fix him up with suitable partners who he's not really interested in. And then he meets this he meets this um, uh, feisty African-American woman strong female character um who um he gets into the back of her car outside his office imagining she's an uber driver and she's very offended and um and that's how they meet and they eventually strike up a relationship and then they have to kind of navigate each other's the prejudice of each other's families um uh, and um and her father is played by Eddie Murphy and he's a kind of muslim black nationalist and his parents are kind of typical kind of brentford dwelling kind of upper middle class jews um and it's but is it any it's, good it's 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 not bad. I quite enjoyed it. I looked up on Rotten Tomatoes how much it had gotten. It had gotten like I don't know, like forty two from the critics and thirty six audience score. And I thought, oh, that's a little, little bit harsh. I thought it was better than that. I thought it it deserved yeah, uh, it deserved a, a mid seventies from the critics and possibly more from the audience. I wouldn't I go was... for a seventy. I'd, I'd want eighty at least, Tobes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah. the, 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 I thought it was all right, um, but um, it, 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 it diverting, quite funny in play. I, you know, I laughed maybe four times, uh, and that's, I guess, that's you know, that's probably pretty good. My laugher meter gives it uh, probably four stars. Um, anyway, um, I also saw All Quiet on the Western Front, which is the surprise. Oh. Um, likely to be the surprise winner i suppose you can't mm. can you be likely to be a surprise winner anyway it's likely to be the winner at the baftas yeah. and the oscars um and it's a german um adaptation of the classic work of um first world war literature um which i've actually read and really liked um and um it's uh, it's it's good it's really well done um and it's harrowing um but you know the, the the theme is war is hell um yeah. and um and you know and it and it and it kind of it it beats you about the head with that message over and over again in quite a kind of punishing grueling way yeah. so i don't think i don't think i'm, I'm not sure caroline's ever going to watch it i don't suppose tiffany would like it either it's ultra violent in places and pretty graphic and you know um uh, you, you, i noticed there's there's not much it's german made not much diversity casting i only spotted one black soldier in the trenches and he was um in a french trench there are none in the german trenches. well that seems right surely i think that is right yeah that is historically accurate um anyway it's, it's not bad if you've got two and a half hours and you want to be you know morally um educated um and you want to want to be reminded of why war is hell and it's got a, there's a there's a couple of kind of there's a kind of a, it it gestures towards an analysis of why the first world war began there's this german aristocratic general who you hear him gripe about the fact that there hasn't been a war in germany since 1871 in which his father distinguished himself um and he's sort of champing he's ch he was champing at the bit for a war so he'd have an opportunity to uphold the family tradition and distinguish himself and you sort of you get the impression 
the all this bloodshed and horror and three million deaths are being blamed on you know this kind of horribly insensitive uh entitled upper class who just want an opportunity to kind of um uh uh prove their bona fides to their families by kind of having a war in which they do well um uh, and that that's probably i imagine there's probably not a great deal to that analysis but there isn't much in the way of kind of wokery apart from that so uh, it's pretty good right um i suddenly realized that although we're, we're we're running quite long um i've got to tell you because I, I went to the theater and I, oh yes I, and it's not often i go to the theater but i went to see a play about us toby called best of enemies right <laughs> and uh, you know what you, you mentioned to me that you know what it's about because yes. um it's based on a documentary based on a documentary uh, which you've the, seen yes and it's about what the long-standing rivalry between gore vidal and william buckley is that and right? Yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. And apparently, according to the the play anyway, I, I don't have any reason to doubt it, was that this was the the birth of adversarial political commentary right. TV. Right. So, so ABC, which was then a, a station with a sort of marginal station uh, out, outgunned by its, its bigger rivals, and it hit on the wheeze for the... 1968 convention mm-hmm. between what Nixon and who was the other one? Nixon Goldwater. and somebody. Mm, yeah. No, um, oh, I don't know. Whatever you know, American politics boring. Um, but anyway, they decided to put these two 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 guys up against each other, and it got very personal and bitter. And um, it's good. I I wasn't expecting to enjoy it because. Um, my worldview has changed so much in the in the in the last two years that I no longer buy anything that anything in the mainstream narrative. So, for example, when they mention the Vietnam War, I'm not thinking, um, "Oh, <laughs> I'm not buying the official reasons why the, the Vietnam War happened." I know it, I know it was it was started by the Americans. Um, using the Gulf of Tonkin incident, you know, they faked a, a, a North Vietnamese uh, torpedo boat attack on America, on the American fleet, and because that's what the American deep state wanted. They wanted another war, um, and they got it. But, but nevertheless, I just, I, I just thought it was... It, the, the, the playwright, uh, he has that quality that decent playwrights have, which is that whatever your, whatever your politics, you can go into it and take, take something home from, in support of your... Right. world was it, a guy called was, James Graham right well, and was hey, James Graham's very good and what was it um was it quite finely balanced so it wasn't so clearly siding with Gore Vidal over William well Bob. here's the weird thing Tobes um you would expect or you certainly would have expected me at least in my former incarnation to have taken the side of the what is he a paleocon or a near what is he the what I think he's a, him? probably a paleocon he yeah. was a Catholic conservative, wasn't he? Yeah, and he founded the National Review, which, of course, yep. now I, I consider absolute cucksville. But um, but yeah, and he, and he, and he it was and he, he was one of the, he was co-host of this show called Crossfire for many years, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And he was and, a legendary American conservative kind of 
celebrity. Um, yeah, except you know decades. what he was. He was also you know he was also CIA. So I mean you know how can you trust anything he's he, he said or did but you, but, since but, but, after that anyway you know you know you know sympathise more with Gore Vidal's kind of no fried brain I, I mean I, I thought Gore Vidal was an absolute worm because right I mean he was incredibly establishment he was part of America's political elite which is, which is to say he was part of that monstrous corruption mas- machine he had these houses all over the world you know one in one in Rome one one in Florence one on the west coast one on the one in, in New York and and so on and yet he sort of posed as this sort of man who's were concerns with with the ordinary ordinary folk it was I, I think he was a he was a, a bit of a charlatan himself I mean I think they were both charlatans but there was a very, very clever bit at the end where your sympathies completely turn. For, I mean, I, he's, he, this is what's clever about the drama. He's, he's managed to, to create a kind of um, a story out of it rather than just two guys randomly debating. So whereas early on you, 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 you think Buckley's, Buckley's won this one because he's, he's um, expounded the, the case for conservatism you know that that he's pointed out the basics you know you need prosperity and prosperity is what makes people um people better off and happier and and have a have a better future and and whinging about it you know attacking the system from within doesn't 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 help and you kind of sympathize with that but then at the end he he completely blows it uh, where there is, do you remember this? There, there were these uh, at the at the Democrat convention in Chicago. There were these anti-war, anti-Vietnam War protests, mm. at which the protesters brandished a North Vietnamese flag, and the police, who happened to be run by Mayor Daley, who I imagine mm. was a was a Democrat. I mean, part of that sort of Democrat yep. machine. Yeah. They sent in the police really hard against these kids who quite rightly were complaining about a war that was none of America's business. Well, indeed, America had started. And and Vidal went down to be with be with them and and, and watch them being, you know, instead of instead of lolling around in his Tuscan fastness, he actually, for a change, actually got down and dirty with the kids and and reported back on what he'd seen, you know, extreme police brutality the misuse of, of of state power and very very foolishly buckley tried to defend this tried to defend the indefensible so you had this weird situation where it was vidal uh the the, the sort of the rebel who ended up defending the american constitution and you know, the limits it, it, it imposes on state power and arbitrary authority. And Buckley, who was supposed to be your guy and my guy, was actually standing up for oppression. And so I thought it was a, I thought it was a clever move to get to get to get somebody mm. like me thinking, actually, Gore, Gore Vidal's made a good point there. Mm. And you haven't mentioned the casting, which um, mm. didn't that leap good out point. for you? <laughs> I'm so glad you... You know what, Tobes? So... I saw the posters and I thought, this is going to be bloody annoying. You've, you've got, okay, so you've got Sila from Heroes playing, playing Gore Vidal. And then who's this black person playing William F. Buckley? I don't remember William F. F. Buckley 
being being black. So they've cast um, an actor called David Harewood, uh, who's very very good. But here's 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 the interesting thing. As you know, I'm really violently against diversity casting. That that if if people are given gratuitous casting in order to sort of bump up the ethnic representation level, it really annoys me. And really, all my instincts should have been to loathe this piece of casting. But actually, I thought it was a, an absolute masterstroke. And the reason is this: for the play to work, it it is essential that the balance of sympathy veers mm. between the two characters. And if you've got West End theatre audience, as indeed most West, most theatre audiences, are so left liberal biased that all you would have had had it been played by 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 a, a sort of you know a, a blustering white man would have been people booing and hissing whenever he he expounded his conservative viewpoints and everyone rooting for Gore Vidal. But when you've got a black guy playing. A, a white guy who has Enoch Powell on his on his on his TV program, and they they they, they actually have Enoch an Enoch Powell character on stage, giving his rivers of blood speech, and 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 the the the, the David David Bradley the black actor sort of is standing there, um, sort of not not being angry about it because he he recognises you know that that there is some truth in 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 Powell's broader point about what happens when you impose these you know when you when you invite unchecked um, immigration into a country anyway what it what it does it it completely changes the dynamic so yeah you'd think you'd have thought that i would have been really annoyed by this but actually i think it's brilliant piece of casting and and he's very very good um and you don't think the reason you weren't annoyed by it is because within minutes you just weren't seeing his skin colour he transported you by his performance and the drama transported you and you were able to suspend disbelief and completely believe that he was William Buckley and that's sort of my argument for colourblind casting why it doesn't matter is because if the performance is good enough you stop noticing quite quickly um I've got mixed feelings about that I I, I think when you when you are portraying real characters on 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 the stage I mean for example when they had the Aretha Franklin character, they they, they went to the trouble of, of, of putting her in an Aretha, Aretha Franklin, giving her Aretha Franklin haircut rather than just putting her in a blonde wig. You know, in every other respect, the production tried to get the characters to look like the ones they're playing. And it is a bit jarring seeing a, a sort of white patrician conservative being played by, by a black man. But, but, but you sort of um, you you don't mind because because it makes for better drama the way it, the way it works. I mean, I I I I wouldn't want to be put in a position where I had to say, yeah, actually, um, it's diversity casting is okay because we don't notice because I think we we always notice. I think the only genre where it doesn't matter really is opera, because well, I think opera's stupid and silly anyway, and it's unrealistic, so who cares? But I think I think. The, the, the point about drama plays is that a degree of verisimilitude still is welcome and does count. I, do think, I think we do notice this stuff. So, no, I, I don't really agree with your point. Okay. Well, um, anyway, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And it sounds yeah. really good. I, I think uh, maybe even though no, I've it's seen good. the documentary. And I recommend it. Maybe I'll go see it. Okay. Yeah. Black right, a ticket, Tobes. Right. Yeah, I'll see if I can. We've done enough, um, I think. All right, yeah, I think we have. Anyway, good to talk to you. Good. And all right. We'll talk next week. Yeah. Okay. Bye. bye. This is London Calling.
Ricochet. Join the conversation.